0: Welcome to the European Folktales Podcast, where we remember our shared history through storytelling. I'm your host, David. Thank you for joining us today. Please be sure to visit our website at europeanfolktalespodcast.com, or you can reach out to us on any social media platform. If you are a writer and would like to have your work narrated on this podcast, please message us on any social media platform or send us a message on our website. Welcome back to the podcast. Last episode, we discussed the wonderful tune, a fun story of a blind bagpiper that drank a little too much, causes a ruckus with his music, and ends up marrying a mermaid, a siren, a sea nymph, who knows. This episode, we are going to tread on a little familiar ground. There's probably not a person out there that's interested in European folktales who has not heard the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. The tale that we know and love as Goldilocks and the Three Bears began a long time ago as an oral tradition. The earliest known published version's authors state that it comes from a story that was handed down to them. The story of a young yellow-haired girl who naively wanders into the house of a family of bears went through many adaptations and variations until it became the story that we all know and love. This story, like others we've covered on this podcast, can be traced back hundreds of years. There were a lot of choices when deciding which one to narrate for this episode. There are some that were too old and some that were too new. I hope I've picked one that's somewhere in the middle, something that's just right. The story of the three bears. Once upon a time, there were three bears who lived together in a house of their own in a wood. One of them was a little small wee bear. One was a middle sized bear, and the other was a great huge bear. They each had a pot for their porridge, a little pot for the little small wee bear, and a middle sized pot for the middle bear. And a great pot for the great huge bear. And they each had a chair to sit in, a little chair for the little small wee bear, and a middle sized chair for the middle bear, and a great chair for the great huge bear. And they each had a bed to sleep in, a little bed for the little small wee bear, and a middle sized bed for the middle bear, and a great bed for the great huge bear. One day after they had made their porridge for their breakfast and poured it into their porridge pots, they walked out into the wood while the porridge was cooling that they might not burn their mouths by beginning too soon to eat it. And while they were walking, a little old woman came to the house. She could not have been a good, honest old woman, for first she looked in at the window. Then she peeped in at the keyhole, and seeing nobody in the house, she lifted the latch. The door was not fastened because the bears were good bears who did nobody any harm and never suspected that anybody would harm them. So the little old woman opened the door and went in. And well pleased she was when she saw the porridge on the table. If she had been a good little old woman, she would have waited till the bears came home, and then perhaps they would have asked her to breakfast, for they were good bears. A little rougher so, as the manner of bears is, but for all that, very good-natured and hospitable. But she was an impudent, bad old woman, and set about helping herself. So first she tasted the porridge of the great huge bear, and that was too hot for her. And she said a bad word about that. And then she tasted the porridge of the middle bear, and that was too cold for her, and she said a bad word about that too. And then she went to the porridge of the little small wee bear and tasted that, and that was neither too hot nor too cold, but just right. And she liked it so well that she ate it all up. But the naughty old woman said a bad word about the little porridge pot, because it did not hold enough for her. Then the little old woman sat down in the chair of the great huge bear, and that was too hard for her. And then she sate down in the chair of the middle bear, and that was too soft for her. And then she sate down in the chair of the little small wee bear, and that was neither too hard nor too soft, but just right. So she seated herself in it, and there she sate till the bottom of the chair came out, and down came hers plump on the ground. And the naughty old woman said a wicked word about that too. Then the little old woman went upstairs into the bedchamber in which the three bears slept. And first she lay down upon the bed of the great huge bear, but that was too high at the head for her. And next she lay down upon the bed of the middle bear, and that was too high at the foot for her. And then she lay down upon the bed of the little small wee bear, and that was neither too high at the head nor at the foot, but just right. So she covered herself up comfortably and lay there till she fell fast asleep. By this time, the three bears thought their porridge would be cool enough. So they came home to breakfast. Now the little old woman had left the spoon of the great huge bear standing in his porridge. "'Somebody has been at my porridge,' said the great huge bear in his great rough, gruff voice. And when the middle bear looked at his, he saw that the spoon was standing in it, too. They were wooden spoons. If they had been silver ones, the naughty old woman would have put them in her pocket. "'Somebody has been at my porridge,' said the middle bear in his middle voice. Then the little small wee bear looked at his, and there was the spoon in the porridge pot, but the porridge was all gone.' "'Somebody has been at my porridge and has eaten it all up,' said the little small wee bear in his little small wee voice. Upon this the three bears, seeing that someone had entered the house and eaten up the little small wee bear's breakfast, began to look about them. Now the little old woman had not put the hard cushion straight when she rose from the chair of the great huge bear. "'Somebody has been sitting in my chair,' said the great huge bear in his great rough, gruff voice." And the little old woman had squatted down the soft cushion of the middle bear. "'Somebody has been sitting in my chair,' said the middle bear in his middle voice. And you know what the little old woman had done to the third chair. "'Somebody has been sitting in my chair and has sate the bottom of it out,' said the little small wee bear in his little small wee voice. Then the three bears thought it necessary that they should make further search, so they went upstairs into their bedchamber. Now the little old woman had pulled the pillow of the great huge bear out of its place. "'Somebody has been lying in my bed!' said the great huge bear in his great rough gruff voice and the little old woman had pulled the bolster of the middle bear out of its place someone has been lying in my bed said the middle bear in his middle voice and when the little small wee bear came to look at his bed there was the bolster in its place and the pillow in its place upon the bolster and upon the pillow was the little old woman's ugly dirty head which was not in its place for she had no business there "'Somebody has been lying in my bed, and here she is,' said the little small wee bear in his little small wee voice. The little old woman had heard in her sleep the great rough, gruff voice of the great huge bear. But she was so fast asleep that it was no more to her than the roaring of wind or the rumbling of thunder. And she had heard the middle voice of the middle bear, but it was only as if she had heard someone speaking in a dream. But when she heard the little small wee voice of the little small wee bear... It was so sharp and so shrill that it awakened her at once. Up she started, and when she saw the three bears on one side of the bed, she tumbled herself out at the other and ran to the window. Now the window was open because the bears, like good, tidy bears as they were, always opened their bedchamber window when they got up in the morning. Out the little old woman jumped, and whether she broke her neck in the fall, or ran into the wood and was lost there, or found her way out of the wood and was taken up by the constable and sent to the house of correction for a vagrant as she was, I cannot tell. But the three bears never saw anything more of her. That was a fun story, something we all know and love. So how did it begin? The story of the three bears, which becomes a story we know as Goldilocks, which was published in 1837 uh, by the English poet Robert Southey. Remember his name, we'll come back to him. And um, his book, The Doctor, he tells the story of an impudent old woman who goes nosing around where she doesn't belong and ends up being scared out of her wits and jumps out of a window. In a manuscript prior to 1837, so it was, what, 1831, the same story is told, uh, but it's written as a poem. Both writers acknowledge that the tale isn't their own creation, but has been handed, to, handed down to them as a, as a folk tale. Um, scholars now believe that the story of the Three Bears traces its roots, uh, Back to a story called Scrapefoot. And Scrapefoot is a tale of an old fox who sneaks into the castle of three bears and sits in the bear's chairs until he can find one he likes. And it breaks. Uh, He samples the bear's saucers of milk until he finds one he likes. And then he drinks it all. And now tired, he lies in each of the beds until he finds one comfortable enough and falls asleep. The bears come home from their walk. Eventually, find the fox in in the littlest bear's bed. They seize Scrapefoot. Chuck him out of the window so far, they never see him again. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. They seize him. They try to burn him, but he won't burn. They try to drown him, but he won't drown. And then they throw him out of the window so far that they never see him again. So one of the first, not, not the first we've mentioned, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Southey was the first, but this guy, Joseph Kundal, he's a poet and a writer from the mid-1800s. And he tells us his inspiration for the Three Bears. So he wrote a, the same story that, that Southie wrote, but he wrote it in a poem form. Again, um, he, to, he tells us that the story came from his uncle. Just a story, a tale that his, his uncle tells him of a fox that has the same antics as, as his old woman. Um, but instead of going to the house, it goes into a castle of the Three Bears. Sounds like Scrapefoot to me. Scholars believe this to be the origins that became the tale of the Three Bears, which eventually become Goldilocks. As it is with most folktales that have been handed down and put into print many years ago, we'll probably never know which came first, but it's easy to see how a story of a fox that enters a castle could change into the story of an old woman who does the same. But then she changes from a fox to a hag. So back in 1831, I mentioned the the, the first poem. That was uh, written by a lady named Eleanor Muir for her nephew. Uh, She titled the poem The Story of the Three Bears. She indicates that the, the recipient of the poem already knew the story, and she was just putting it to verse for him. So in the introduction, um, well, let's back up. Her, her nephew's name is Horace Broke, but he went by the nickname of Horbrook or Horbook. And so the introduction to, to her poem says, The tale of the three bears... Little Horbuck declares, he can perfectly well rehearse. But Aunt Nellie will tell, pretty nearly as well, the same story in verse. In the very last line of her poem, she includes uh, her nephew's name in the story itself. And it, it reads, when speaking of the, uh, the old woman who was uh, thrown out. Um, the, she says... Well, let me back up, let me back up, because in this story, when when they throw her out, they try to burn her, but she won't burn. They try to drown her and she won't die. And so they throw her on top and impale her on top of a, a church steeple. So the last line of her poem reads, And if she's still there when you earnestly look, you will see her quite plainly, my little dear Horbuck." book. So remember, I mentioned Southie earlier, uh, the first published version of the three bears, but uh, even before that, Scrapefoot changes from a male fox to an old woman. Muir, uh, in Muir's version of the story, is nearly identical to Southie's, um, and like I said, she doesn't get away, but they, she gets justice by being impaled on St. Paul's churchyard steeple, um, and it's, I guess it's some commentary of people maybe imply that, that she's a witch. I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Okay, so in 1837, Southey published his book, The Three Bears, or he published the story, The Three Bears, in his book called The Doctor. Uh, the tale was familiar, even as far as Russia. Uh, Leo Tolstoy mentioned it in 1837, 1838, when he was writing his book, uh, Anna Karenina. He mentioned uh, the th- one of the characters was named Little Bear uh, because they liked the story. So that's and it was given English origins back then. So we know that it's it's got legs. It's been here for a while. But we just don't have... We don't know the origins, the exact origins. Um, so after, just after Southey published his, another one was published in poem form by George Nickel, who gives credit to Southie. And uh, Southey was very happy with this. Um, I'm going to read real quick from... The dedication, the George Nichol, where he gives credit to Southey. There's a footnote in the printed version. There's screenshots of all this on the website. Check it out. The lamented Southey was very much pleased with the story of the three bears, as versified by Nichols and published specially for the amusement of little people, lest in volumes of the doctor it should escape their sight. So he was very happy that it got turned into a poem form, that it would be more appealing to children. uh, That really. Went, went over well with him in 1849 you remember i mentioned joseph kundal the he first he's the person who first used a little girl in the story instead of an old woman so we see in 1831 it's, it's already it's a it's already known to everyone as a story that was a fox now it's an old woman but in 18 that was in like 1831 in 1849 um that's when it turns into a, a young girl um Kundal felt that there were too many folktales with old women as antagonists, so he just wanted to mix it up a little bit, I guess. He changed the age of the girl, and that was about it. Um, she seems to have been given a name, though, instead of just the old the old woman, little old woman. Um, it wasn't Goldilocks, but her name was Silverhair. And so this is going to keep... That, that trend continues where she has a name and her hair is silver. Um, I guess it's shadows of that old woman, but she's young with with silver hair, so... We can see the evolution or the adaptations changing. So in 1867, George MacDonald, um, very famous name in, in folktale history, wrote a book called The Golden Key or wrote a story called The Golden Key. And in this story, he references the story of Silverhair, um, pointing to the prevalence of a character named Silverhair, which is an understood reference. Everybody just, he doesn't explain it. He just expects everyone to know it. And then in 1868, we see the trend uh, change and uh, there's a book called aunt friendly's nursery book we see the emergence of a character named goldilocks instead of silver hair and that is where the name changes uh, there's a little uh, overlap in between um in, in between the, the name goldilocks taking root sometimes it was Silverlocks. um I guess that's just an, another small adaptation to get to Goldilocks, and that's where we've, we've stayed. Uh, very interesting. Then we look at the family of the bears. They weren't always a family. So the age, demeanor, and color of the hair of the antagonist isn't the only change the story's gone through. In the earliest versions, they were all males that lived together with no indication of a familial relationship, and the fact that they were bachelors was implied, and, and it just not stated. Um, They were first in... The first published book that has them described as a family unit is in 1878, although even back as far as 1852, there are illustrations and books depicting them as families. In most retellings of the story, it's a mother, father, and baby bear. In at least one version, there's a trio of siblings, an older boy, a girl child, and a baby. Um, but anything other than that, they're just males, male bachelors living together. Um... I would say, though, that the tighter family connections our ancestors had, God bless them, indicates, I would say, that these male bears are bachelors who are related in a familial sense, um, rather than just three single men living together. Single male bears, I should say. And then the milk, porridge or soup. See, we have porridge in our story today that we all know, um, but it wasn't always porridge. In the poem by Eleanor Muir that I mentioned earlier from 1831, the bears have bowls of hot milk. And that's reminiscent of Scrapefoot because it isn't hot milk that Scrapefoot is, is after in the saucers. But we have uh, one milk was too sour. One milk was not good. And one milk was very sweet and he ate it all up. So that changes to hot milk with, by the time it gets to Eleanor Muir and she writes it down. And then not long, about six, seven years after that, Salady gets publishes his story. And, and that's where we have porridge. Uh, we have also, it changes to soup in a few stories, but that doesn't really take hold. And porridge, it's always been since then. So now we're going to get to some fun, interesting things about um, the cultural impact of the story. It's not just a children's story, although, you know, it is for us today, but it wasn't always. And in fact, it's it's bled over into our society where we use terms um, like the Goldilocks Principle. This refers to rejecting things that are too extreme in one direction or another and, and settling for a happy middle ground. We have a term called the Goldilocks Syndrome, used to describe human behavior um, that wants to find happiness in, in between extremes. There's the Goldilocks Rule that describes choosing the best balance between the known and the unknown, risk versus risk free, predictable, non predictable. Even scientists describe the location of the Earth as being in a Goldilocks zone. So any further from the sun, and we're too cold for life. Any closer to the sun, and we're too hot for life. Our location is just right—the Goldilocks zone. It was pretty fun to take a journey through time and see how a simple, though perhaps brutal story—at least by our delicate standards—changes uh, from a fox being where she shouldn't and getting his <laughs> being where he shouldn't and getting his due, to a little naive, mischievous girl who learns a lesson about personal belongings. So I'm sure I've missed some things. I mean, this is an old story with, uh, that's branched out in, in many ways. So what have I missed? Um, do you guys have anything to input for this? Anything I've missed? Anything I've overlooked? It's a, uh, it's a cherished folktale, so I'm sure there's lots of variations that we all know and love. Let me know your comments in the comments section of our website at europeanfolktalespodcast.com or on YouTube or any social media platform. And this episode is, is, I have a bit more content on the website for this one. There are PDF downloads of some of the original versions, some the Eleanor Muir version, the Southie, I believe. Um, I don't know, there's, there's lots of photos or lots of images and illustrations from the various versions of the Three Bears, even as far back as uh, some Scrapefoot illustrations and such. So yeah, go, go to the website, europeanfolktalespodcast.com and check that out. Until next time, guys, thank you so much.